How we all doing? Alright, alright. I feel like I'm living a Pixar video. Cars, you know, I'm sitting here preaching to, to cars. That's kind of interesting. Never thought that would be like that. But God, God's been good all the way through this. I've got to sit down. It's not there on me. I've got something messing with my um, muscle in my back, my left leg. And they say it's one of the things, one of the things a medication does. So I have to sit down. Anyways, if I stood up, I'd be underneath that thing anyway. So um, this is made for people like Denver. All right. So um, Dorcas, are you out there? Dorcas is not out there. All right. So I want you to turn your Bibles and actually get your bulletins out. I want to go over something in your bulletin real quick. Um, there's a couple names in here we need to pray over. And, of course, Dorcas is on there, Virginia. I know she's here. Priscilla's here. Kay. Um, Holly doubt that there's one in there. Wayne Wright, I saw his, her, her, uh, his um, daughter pull in. But um, we also need to pray for Maxine. Um, Maxine is having some issues with her chemotherapy, and she needs our prayers. And another one in there is D Doug Shoup. Doug Shoup had an eye surgery, another eye surgery this last week. And it's not on there either. We need to make sure we pray for him. Charlie just told me that he's moving in two weeks. And so he is going to get ready for that, that wedding. So make sure you pray for him also. I want you to turn your Bibles. And we're going to actually do it a little bit different this time. We're going to read three stories in the Bible and come back and look at them. And I want you to see this. So turn your Bible to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to read quite a, quite a few verses, probably about 30 verses when we're all said and done. <clears throat> but I want you to see this. Um, there are, I'm glad you're here. It's a new normal. I don't know how long we'll have to do this, but um, I know Daniel's going to have some announcements for the ladies later, but I want you to just follow along with me this morning. Um, there's two aspects for Bible Baptist Church right now, and I want to talk to you about those. This, this evening, we're going to talk about trusting. If there's anything we've learned is we need to trust in the Lord, and so we're going to talk about that tonight. But this morning, we're going to talk about giving. Now, it's not the giving you're thinking of, okay? Um, people are watching Christians to see how we respond to things and um, they how we respond to this, this situation. They want to know if we're, we're willing to trust, but this morning I want to talk about giving. And I want to say this before we get into this. Praise the Lord for giving. There's, when it comes to financials, we've had a lot. Our offerings have not went down. God's been good all the way through it. And I want to thank you for the tithe, and I also want to thank the, I know the missionaries. If you think about what missionaries are going through, all these smaller churches that support these missionaries, you know that they're not getting all their support. And so I'm thankful for a church that's willing to, to give above what they normally do, and the Lord's been good with that. But today I'm going to read, we're going to go about a different giving, and um, I want you to just follow along. Go to John chapter 11, and I want you to look at these stories. And when I'm reading this, I want you to think about how this portrays giving. And I want you to look in John chapter 11, and we're going to start, in John chapter 11, we're going to start in verse number 17, if I can get my glasses out of here. John chapter 11, verse 17. Of course, they're going to get stuck in my pocket. All right. John chapter 11, verse 17. We're going to actually go quite a ways down. I think we're going to read almost to verse number 40. So John chapter 7, John chapter 11, and then we're going to go to John chapter 6. So if you can, pull up John chapter 6 also. John chapter 11, in verse number 17, it says this. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. It's talking about Lazarus. It says, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been there, my brother had not died. 
But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Jesus saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come, and calleth for thee. And I think it's interesting, in the midst of the storm, she considers him the Master, and she uses that terminology with him. It says in verse number um, 29, As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in a place where Martha met him. And the, the Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth into the grave to weep there. They're thinking that she's going to go there, but she's actually going to see Jesus. Verse number 32, it says this, then, G, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And this next verse is a verse I really want you to look at. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. People tease about this is a verse I can memorize real quick. It's two words, and it just says this, Jesus wept. Keep reading it. It says, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And, come, and some of them said, Come not this man, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, which caused the, that even this man should, should have died. In verse number 38, this is where he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He says, Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Then Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee, for thou hast heard me. And I knew, and I knew that thou, hast, thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse number 43 says this, And when he had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he, and he that had, had, was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. You know, when you read this story, it's very interesting, and we're going to get back to the giving in just a second. But for sake of time, I want to go to the other stories real quick, and then we'll jump back into this. Go to John chapter 6, and so we're going to start where it opens up. John chapter 6, and verse number 1. This is a story you know also. This is the five loaves and two fish. It says in verse number one, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude following him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were deceased. And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat, he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus was lifting up his eyes, he saw a great company coming unto him. He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, he's, Philip is the one that doesn't believe a lot of things. He's got to be seen. He's got to see a lot of things. But he asked him this question. It's a loaded question. 
Look at verse number six. After he asked that, it tells you what Jesus thought. And this he said to prove him, referring to Philip, for he knew himself what he would do. Now keep going. It says, Philip answered him, 200 pence worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were sat down. And likewise the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. I like that. He's not wanting to waste anything. Verse number 13, Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the, of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracles that Jesus did, this is of a truth, that prophet, that prophet that should come into the world. I want you to turn to one more story, and it's only got five verses. I want you to turn back to Mark, and we're going to go through these in just a second. Mark chapter 14. It's not normally how I do it, but I want to read all these stories and I want you to think about thankfulness. In verse number three, I think this is an interesting story. How many of you know the the song, Broken and Spilled Out? This is what this is is talking about. In verse number three, it says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leopard, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment. Now this is Mary. And and it says, um, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And watch what Jesus says about her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She, she hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the wo- whole world, this also that she hath done shall, shall be spoken of for a m- memorial of her. What an in- inspirational thought if you think about that. So I want to give you five aspects of when you should give. Five aspects of when you should give. Let's go back to the first story, John chapter 11. And we're going to look at, I think, one in this story. But it's a very important um, um, aspect of giving. And again, I'm not talking about finances. At this time, the world needs to see who we are. The world needs to see that we care. How many, how many of you believe that, God, that people around you are watching how you respond? I'm telling you, they are. My neighbors are watching me. They're watching what I do, what I don't do. If I've got an attitude, if I don't have an attitude, if I've got a smile on my face. You know, it, it, you know God knows exactly where you are. God, I can't even imagine ever saying this. Can you imagine six months ago we said, listen, you're going to be in your cars. You're going to park in the back parking lot. And we're going to have a service while you're in your cars. Right then, I think the deacons would have a meeting and say, Pastor Wagner, we, we, we want you to resign because something's wrong with you. You've got something wrong with your brain, the way it's functioning. We can't imagine where we are right now. But God sure knows where we are. I want to give you these five points, and we'll go quickly through them. Five aspects of when you should give. 
The first one is when, when, when Jesus is, is talking, he goes to Lazarus' um, resurrection, and he knows full well what he's going to do. But this is what I want you to see. The first aspect of when to give is you give when you know what is going to happen. You give when you know what is going to happen. I'm almost positive there are people out here that have bad neighbors. Don't honk if you have a bad neighbor, but I'm telling you, we probably have some bad neighbors. We might, you might have a neighbor that's very nosy, wants to know everything about what's going on. But you know what? When it comes to giving, we, we need to give when you know what is going to happen. Let's look at this story one more time. Go to um, John chapter 11. Look at verse number 25 and 26. Last week was Easter. And I love what he says in verse number 25 and 26. Jesus speaking, he saith unto her, talking to Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I want to ask you that question. Do you believe that? I believe it. I mean, we're celebrating the week after Easter, and praise God, he had already risen again. But he's telling them this. But the main point I want you to get to, I want you to go to verse number 32. And I'm going to show you this, and I want you to see this. Maybe you've never thought about this. Verse number 32. And when Mary was come where Jesus saw Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now everything's raw to her at this. She, she, she understands who Jesus is. She loves Jesus. But she says, listen, if you would have been here, this would not have happened. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit. Now he's going to say that twice in this story. And was troubled. Well, why was he troubled? He's about ready to give them something. And as I say this, you give when you know what is going to happen. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He understood their concerns. Now watch what it says. It says in verse number 34, And said... Where have ye laid him? Question mark. It's a rhetorical question. He knew where he was. He knows everything. He knew exactly where Jesus was. And he says, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And I want you to look at the next verse. It's a verse everybody knows. Jesus wept. You're going to see Jesus do something that he, he shows us when we should give. And here he's giving something to them that they might not understand, but I sure do. What he's showing to them is compassion. We live in a world sometimes where it says men shouldn't, shouldn't cry, men shouldn't do this, men shouldn't do that. But Jesus, although he knew what was going to happen, he still wept. Why? Because he saw what they were going through. He understood what they were going through, and yet he still had that compassion. He had that emotion that he was feeling what they felt. And so when you look at this, why did Jesus weep? He wept because he had compassion on them. But he knew what he was going to do already, what was going to happen. And keep reading, it says in verse number 35, it says, Jesus wept, then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And your Bible has an exclamation point. He's saying, listen, God, you, you love him so much that you, it's, it's evident with the people around him. And he sees him crying. And I wonder what they're thinking. Because see, we know what we know the end result. I wonder if they were thinking if he had only been here earlier, everything would have been changed. Now he knew what he was going to do. He knew that he was going to rise him up from the grave. And then it says this, and some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? 
and it's past tense. He, could he have not have done something if he was here? And then I want to I want to I want you to look at verse number 41 and 42. I love how Jesus prays to God. And it's a it's a memorial of how we need to pray. It says in verse number 41, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, now watch how he starts this. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Aren't you thankful that God shows compassion, but he also, not only does he do this, he hears us. He hears Christ and Christ, Christ magnifies that and says, listen, God, I thank you for listening to me. Now watch this in the next verse 42. He reiterates it and says, I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Aren't you thankful for what God's done for you in your life? Aren't you thankful for the compassion that he gives? See, in this, we need to give when we know, when we know what is going to happen. We've got to show compassion upon people. People don't understand what's going on in this world. This is all new to them. It's all foreign to us. But the difference that we have as a Christian and a non-believer is we know that God's still in control. Uh, tonight, if you listen tonight, I, I, one of the things that really irritated me this week is what Governor Cuomo said. I just listened to that and say, God had nothing to do with it? God had everything to do with it. Don't they, they don't realize how powerful our God is. But when you don't believe he created anything, you're not going to believe he can protect us from anything. What I'm thankful for is that we need to give when, when, when we know what is going to happen. Watch. You give when it's good and you give when it's bad, even when you know what's going to happen. What was good with this? He rose Lazarus from the grave. But Jesus knew the whole story, too. Because there was a bad side of this story. We did not read it, but for sake of time, I'm not going to read it. But if you read verses 45 through 57, because of what he does with Lazarus, these people are planning on killing him. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine what Mary and Martha thought of. Here's their brother, the one that loved Christ. And Mary and Martha definitely loved Christ. And as you look at this, they plan to kill Jesus even after his compassion that he had because he knew what was going to happen before it happened and the miracle of the resurrection of Lazarus. You're always going to have opposition. But you know when you should give? You should give when you know what is going to happen. Let me ask you this question. Do you know of somebody in your life that if you gave them five bucks, they'd want ten? Does that stop you from giving them five? No. You should still give it to them if God speaks to you. We've got to understand when we need to give. And as a church at Bible Baptist Church, we need to give. People need to see what we're, what we're doing. Hopefully all of you got your baskets this week. And it was good for the people to go out and pass those baskets out. You know, it's great to be giving. I don't know about you, but at Christmas time, I'd rather give than receive. Now, not everybody's wired like that. Some people like the stuff. Keep giving, keep giving, keep giving. But I like to give rather than receive. I have a hard time with receiving. But you know what I don't have a hard time is giving. We need to give when, we, when you know what is going to happen. Point number two, go to John chapter six. We read this story. Point number two is this. Give when you know what is going to happen. And give when you think it won't make a difference. Wow, give when you think it won't make a difference. You know, when you read this story, <laughs> this is a funny story to me. Because you're telling me 5,000 people are together and all they can find is one, one lunch. 
How many of you, when you plan a trip, do you bring food, bring snacks? You know, I'm gonna pick on my wife out there. We we had spaghetti the other day, and she I'm not supposed to eat salt, and so she said, "I've got a piece of um, garlic bread." And she looked at me, and here's how she said it. And and I, you got to have a sense of humor with what you go through. God knows what you're what you're going through. But she made this statement. She said, um. She said, I'll give you one piece. And here's how she said it. She said, one piece of garlic bread won't. And she had a dramatic pause. And then she said, hurt you. And I looked at her and I said, you were going to say the word kill, didn't you? And she goes, well, I might have, I might have was going to say that. I said, that's exactly what you were going to say. You know, she's trying to protect me by what the words we say. We've got to understand that we need to give when you think it won't make a difference. Look in verse number 6 in, in John chapter 6. Verse 6 says this. In John chapter 6, it says, When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? He's asking this question. And there's people out there that probably had food, but they didn't think it would make a difference. 5,000 people had nothing. Now keep reading in verse number 9. And you hear Andrew come on the scene in verse number 9. And, and, and um, verse number 9 says, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But look at the next statement. He goes to Jesus, the Creator, and says, Listen, this, this young man has five loaves and two fishes. And I like what it says. It doesn't just say fish. It says what? Two small fish. Two small fish. These are these are very small fish. There's no way that you can you can get enough for everybody. And then watch the statement that he makes to them. But what are they among so many? If you had if if it was you and you were in this story, and you had a snack, I don't know what it is. Would you turn it over? You know what the typical uh, typical adult would do? They'd look around and say, "This won't make a difference." This won't do anything to anybody. Why should I give? Isn't that what you would do? That's what I would do. I'm telling you, I would say, I, what we do is we're doing a logical thing. And yet we have this lad in here. So the first one is, give when you know what is going to happen. The second one is, give when you think it won't make a difference. The third one is this, give when no one else gives. I love the story of the lad, and we're going to stay in this story Go to verse number 5 through 11. When we look at this story, 5 through 11, I want you to see this. John chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. It says this, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that, we, that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Keep reading. And Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Simon, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Now watch what Jesus does. When we give, when no one else gives, he multiplies. And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now that was probably the last thing that these disciples thought Jesus would say. Make the men sit down. And, I, and if I'm Andrew, I'm going, I would probably repeat that story. We have five, five bread and two fishes. 
And he says, make the men sit down. And I love that that's in red in my Bible. It says, because this says, now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves from the, from the young man. And when he had given thanks, he distributed the disciples, and the disciples to them which were sat down, and likewise of the fish as much as they would. It's an interesting story. His disciples are sitting on the front line. They know exactly. With a crowd of 5,000, there's no doubt in my mind they had no idea. Some of them had no idea how this was going down, but the disciples did. And this was a reiteration of that statement, give when no one else gives. In your life, give when no one else gives. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. How often do we, how often have you ever been in a situation where you're, you know God wants you to do something, but you see that no one else is doing it, so you're scared to do it? Happens to me all the time. What God wants us to do is give when no one else will give. Be different, in other words. And so this lad gives everything that he had. And Can you imagine? Can you imagine the story he tells his family when he gets back? He says, listen, Mom, I gave when no one else gives. And maybe because he was a lad, it was so simple that he just gave because they were asking, do you have anything? And he just hands it over. But there's no doubt in my mind that this, this, this um, meal that, that his mother probably prepared for him and gave to him that day was something for just him to eat. But little did she know when she was fixing this meal for him, he would give it and over 5,000 people would eat from what she had given. Isn't that an amazing thought? That we need to give when no one else gives. It doesn't matter what other people do. It only matters what I do. It doesn't matter what other people do. It only matters what I do. Now, could Jesus have done this miracle without that lad? Yes, he could have. He could have made bread and he could have made fish without, without him giving. But it sure makes you feel a lot better when you understand that a lad gave it and he used it. So number one, give when you know what, what is going to happen. Number two, give when you think it won't make a difference. Number three, give when no one else gives. And number four, let's go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, and I want you to see this. Give when it costs you something. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what, what, what every aspect of your life is right now. Everything's changed. It's a new normal. You know, I've got, a, I've got two new normals. I've got the coronavirus thing where we can't go out and see anybody, and then I've got this heart situation. It's a new normal. It's a new normal for me. It's a new normal for you. We've got to understand that we've got to give when it, when it costs you something. Go to Mark chapter 14, look at verse number 6. Verse number 6 says this, Jesus says, And Jesus said, I like how he defends her, he says, Let her alone, why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. Now look at verse number 8. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. She poured out this alabaster box, and it cost her something. Sometimes when you, when you give, it's going to cost you something. It might be time. might be effort. might be just an afternoon where you have to give of somebody. But you know, I think God wants us to give. I think people need to see Christians are different. How many of you, I mean, if you think about it, how many of you believe that God wants you to be different? Absolutely he does. He doesn't want us to be the norm. 
If the norm, we're going to complain about everything. The norm is going to say, listen, I don't understand this, don't understand that. You know what? We don't have to understand everything. We just got to accept what God gave us. And as I was looking at this and I was thinking about this, go to verse number 8. Wouldn't this be great if when God thinks of you, he thinks of you this way? This is Jesus himself saying this. Look at verse number 8. It says, when he reads this, he says, She hath done what she could. I always think about the lady that the disciples are watching when they're putting in their offering and they're seeing these guys just drop in masses amounts of money. And here comes this widow lady. And she just drops in what we would be equivalent to two or three pennies. And she drops it in. And he uses this as an example and says, listen, she hath gave all she could. Aren't you thankful that God wants us to give? And when it costs you something, guess what? It does not go unnoticed. What did Jesus say why she did it? Keep reading in that story. It says barely, um, It says in verse number 8, She had done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Here he's talking about dying on the cross. So here, the fourth one is this. Give when it costs you something. So let's review these really quick. Give when you know what is going to happen. Give when you think it won't make a difference. Give when no one else gives. Give when it costs you something. And the fourth one is this. Give when God tells you to give. How many of you ever been in a part of your life where God has told you to do something you didn't do it? How do you feel about that? Is it something that you say, oh man, I don't want to feel that way anymore. God convicts me all the time. I'm sure he convicts you. But God will sit here and he'll show us what we need to do. There is no doubt in my mind that when she came there this, this day, that she knew what she was going to do. She knew it would cost her something. She did it anyway. And who was she doing this in front of? The disciples. And these disciples were supposed to be spiritual people. Watch their response to her. Go to verse number three. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at me, there came a woman ha ha having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation. By the way, when you look at indignation, that means to be very displeased. They were upset at what she had done. And then it says within them, they were saying it within themselves because they probably didn't want Jesus to hear what they were saying. And said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. There's two aspects when I, when I looked at this, some of the words that really stuck out to me. In verse number four, they called it a waste. Now, what were they calling a waste? They were calling the waste the ointment that she, she put on him. But it's never a waste when you do something for God. And the waste that was, a, was wasted, so they think, was for Christ himself. That was not a waste. Give when God tells you to give. And then verse number five, of course, anytime you want to do something right, you want to do what God wants, you know what's going to happen? There's this word in here, and it's found in verse number five. For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they, what's the next word, murmured against her. You know, sometimes we just need to give when God tells us to give. Quit looking around and getting a pat, pat on our back. I'm not going to mention all the men that came over and helped set this up. And Daniel, Daniel's done an awesome job. Daniel is, is just incredible young man. 
He's been doing a lot of things that people don't even see. He does all of our, our not our website, but our um, videos and stuff like that. And they were here many hours yesterday, and there were some people and came in and put the plants around. I don't want to say their name because I want them to get a blessing from God himself. But as I looked down and I, and I got pictures of what they had done, you know, we, we serve an amazing God, don't we? And I'm so thankful for people just, they don't have to be seen to give. And I know we probably could have called 40 or 50 people. Denver and I could have called them and you, you all would have been here. That's what kind of church this is. But let's never lose the aspect of giving. Not necessarily the offering and the tithe, which, which we need to do and we understand that, but the offering of giving ourselves to other people. People are listening to us and watching us. They want to see what we're made out of. So, number one, you give when, when you know what is going to happen. Good or bad, you give no matter what with that. Number two, you give when you think it won't make a difference. This is probably one of the number one reasons we don't give. Well, will it make a difference? I mean, what I do, will it make a difference? Will it really make a difference? I was talking to someone yesterday, and they made mention I'm doing the sleep apnea machine, and they made they, they said, well, I've got one of these things, and they kind of explained what it is, and, and they called me and said, well, I'll bring it over. I said, you don't have to do that. No, I'll bring it over. Now, they didn't come in. They just put it on our doorstep. But you know what? That was something that they, they didn't have to do. But they did it. How many times this week is God going to bring someone in your life that he wants you to give to and you don't do it? I have never in, in my entire life, 53 years old, have ever given something that I've regretted it. Because that's what God's gave to us. Didn't he give us his only begotten son? So when it comes to time and effort, little things that we can do, he wants us to give. Give when you think it won't make a difference. That's our biggest aspect I think we have a problem with because we have to make a difference. $10 might not make a difference to you, but a $10 gift certificate to Starbucks might make a big difference and just encourage somebody. Give when no one else gives. Even if you're all alone, give. And number four, give when it costs you something. And number five, give when God tells you to give. God will make that very obvious. You know, even in... Any situation, you can be the giver that God wants you to give. When you leave today, look for people to serve and give. It's few and far between now, right? I mean, you might go to the, to the um, restaurant. And you might see someone bring their food out to you. You might go to the bank. You don't go inside. You go, go through the, the uh, outside. You don't get to see a lot of different people. But look for people to serve and give. Tonight, we're going to talk about trusting in the Lord. He knows where you're at, and He wants you to trust in Him. And He wants us to give ourselves to other people. I don't know, I don't know who God wants you to do something for, but this week there's somebody that needs you. When you think of the stories we looked at, Mary and Martha, they needed Christ. But Christ needed the story to play out the right way where people could see the power that He is, and that's the same way in your life. In the story of the, of the young man, Here's a young man that gave everything that he could give when no one else would give. And then there's the story of, of Mary, Mary giving all, of, all that she could. Man, aren't you thankful that God wants us to give? I don't know what God's going to do in your life this week, but I can tell you this. God's still on the throne. He knows what's going to happen, and He's in charge. 
I don't care what any politician says. God knows what he's doing. And aren't you thankful for God's love in your life? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the aspect of you giving. Because in the first story, you gave compassion. In the second story, you gave food and nutrients to people. In the third story, you gave compassion upon one individual person because they were doing what they needed to do. Lord, you know exactly what needs to happen in our lives. As Christians at Bible Baptist Church, this is a different service for us. Just like Easter was different, this is a different service. And as we continue to go through the, these, these different times in, in 2020, may we understand the aspect of what you have for us is to give. Give of ourselves. You know, I think of my wife, and she's done so many wonderful things for me, and so often I'm not as thankful as I need to be for her. Lord, may, may you show me compassion. May you show thankfulness to people that are around me, people that I come across that I'm just thankful for what they are and who they stand for. May we understand these five principles and these five different aspects of when you want us to give. And may we not look around and figure out what everybody else is doing. We just give when no one else is giving. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for the great men and ladies of this church. May they have a great day today. May they understand this is different, something we'll always remember. But may we give to, unto you like we've never given, where people can see you and us. Thank you again for what you're about to do. And be with this time that as we leave, that they, they will see people will see Christ in us. Thank you for loving us despite our faults. In Jesus' name, amen.